Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 278th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's been about D&D for years, diapers and drafts. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of magic gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, Travis Allen, at Wizard Bumpin' on Twitter. My co-host this week is our esteemed and distinguished guest, Cliff Daigle, rhymes with Bagel, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Travis, I'm so pleased that you remember my bit on how to say my last name. <laughs> That's the only way I remember. <laughs> it's, it's important. I do that in my classroom, too. I'm so glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on an awesome Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool stuff in stock, including the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. And I want you guys to know I am suffering for our art this week because I have to turn my AC off in order to record and despite having had it on for an hour straight before we began, it is still too warm in here. And I'm not even in the hot part of the country. How is it on your end? Uh, it's really unfair because I'm in the uh, San Francisco Bay. And uh, the hottest it's gotten here in the last couple of weeks was like 89. But uh, I will say last week, I visited my parents down in LA. And we did a lot of 100 and 110 degrees. So, uh, you know, stay cool, everybody. Drink enough water. It's inhuman. It is. Uh, so Cliff, why don't you do us the, uh, favor of telling us what we're going to talk about this week? Uh, we've got four, three, excuse me, three delightful segments this week. Uh, we're going to talk about Ma the Magic Online metagame week in review. Some really cool stuff. Uh, a deck that I'm, I'm personally very fond of because it tries to put the finger on the scales of randomness. We're also going to talk about the top movers in paper. Then we're going to go over our picks of the week, including our uh, user-nominated pick of the week, which it took us a while to agree on. And finally, we're going to get into some of the uh, previews for Adventures in the Forgotten Realm, which uh, it's got some spicy-looking stuff. I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, it does. It has some cool stuff in there. Um, let's jump in on this modern preliminary here. From January 29th, uh, that's today, the day we recorded. I, I'm skipping past the first seven slots. Like, we'll come back to those. This <laughs> eighth place deck is something else. There are four Glimpse of Tomorrows in this deck. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the lead. That is the lead. I am not burying it. It is right there. And it is amazing for having four Glimpse of Tomorrow in the deck. Because uh, what you get to do is play, um, you're going to use Shardless Agent or Violent Outburst and Cascade in the Glimpse of Tomorrow. And then you're going to get triggers for Omnath, Locus of Creation, Risen Reef. Uh, you might get another, uh, no, you're just going to put it into play, right? You're not casting? Right, so you're not casting, so no more Cascade triggers. But you do get your Chancellor of the Forge triggers, you get your... Uh, 
tireless provisioner triggers, you get your wave sifter triggers, just increasing your permanence, and then you've got four goblin dark dwellers to let you recast that glimpse of tomorrow immediately and go off again. Yeah. The, so as best as I can tell, your plan here is to either land some colony gardens, which is a land that gives you a token. Um, you, they've got the miser's gemstone caverns. You've got two chancellor, the forge to get some additional permanent into play. Uh, those seem to be the main way you're getting permanence. You're kind of cheating permanence into play early. Oh, and the um, the wave sifter. You can evoke wave sifter for two to get double clue tokens. And then, yeah, their goal here is to uh, cascade on turn three into glimpse of tomorrow and hopefully hit basically anything other than lands because all the permanents in this are kind of silly. And like you said, with the goblin dark dwellers, it gives you an opportunity to do it again. So. Uh, you might get some 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 tasty treats off of that a second time around. But the, th- this looks like something brewed up in a f- fever dream, and it somehow went eighth place in this preliminary. I mean, uh, what's what's not to love when you can do something and you're just sitting back? I can imagine playing Magic Online and you're watching this guy and going off and you're like, what on earth am I? Wa- I'm dead? What? What just happened here? And that's a great feeling. And I want to encourage everyone to experience that at least once. Can you imagine sitting down to play modern you're, and uh, your opponent leads Call Me Garden, Plant Token, go. And you're like, okay, I'll play my Ragavan. And then he goes, Steam Vents, tapped, go. And you're like, what is happening? Yeah. What is happening in this game right now? It's like, we are so far apart on this. Either I'm, <laughs> he does something I don't. What is happening? Uh, that's a fun deck. Ultimately, I don't think it matters. Um, not without seeing some real results. And given that it relies so heavily on such a random card, I doubt we'll get there. It would put some pressure on the Glimpse of Tomorrow's here, possibly, if it got anywhere. Some more pressure on these Omnath showcases. But I think that, you know, this is this is probably a flash in the pan for as fun as it looks. Yeah, this, this deck folds real hard if you can counter that Glimpse of Tomorrow. And there's only two of uh, Teferi 3 in the sideboard. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we take a look at the rest of this deck that lives in the real world, uh, first and third taken by Eldrazi. They've got the place out of Karn the Great Creator. Uh, we've got some Matter Reshaper, Reality Smasher, Thought Not Seer, you know, the, the core group there, some Walking Ballista. Um, with four main deck Chalice of the Voids. Um, I don't recall off the top of my head whether main deck Chalices were a big component of this deck like two or three years ago, four years ago. I don't think they were. I'm pretty sure that's been introduced with just the lowering of the moniker uh, really closer to one here in modern with, you know, recent printings of Ragavan and what is it, Dragon Channeler and all that good stuff. Yep. I mean, Chalice on one is going to do a lot of work against a lot of decks. So, uh, and even a Chalice on zero, will, uh, will that counter a glimpse for tomorrow? Uh... No. Yes. Wait. Yeah. No, because it, it would counter a mana cost of zero, right? But it doesn't have a mana cost. Uh, I be- it has a. I believe that it has a converted mana cost of zero. I'm pretty sure Chalice on zero will stop free spells. Okay. Pretty sure. All right. Pretty well, spe- sure. Not necessarily free spells, but spells without a mana cost. There's a distinction there. Uh yeah. It well, you can't cast spells with. Out a printed mana cost, but I think the converted mana cost is still zero. Okay. 
That is my off the cuff ruling. It will stand in perpetuity. Um, Jeskai Monkey Blade in second, uh, which is something we'll probably be talking about regularly over the weeks and months. That's some Jace, some Teferi, Ragvan, Stoneforge, Snapcaster, uh, Prismatic Ending, and then a suite of Jeskai removal and counter spells. They're playing the the threesome package here of Batterskull, Cauldra Complete, and Sophie. Um, and I would imagine we will see this kind of core concept with various bits rotate in and out and numbers shift over the coming months. Yep. Um, you know, I like the name Monkey Blade. I like everything about this deck. It knows what it wants to do. And it's going to do some busted stuff along the way. Mm-hmm. Those uh, DXM Stoneforges still seem like a good choice to me. Those Full Art Batter Skulls are cool too, though. So are those before Sword of Fire and Isis. The, the Borderless cards from Double Masters were all really good. I think we're going to see... Um, I wrote about this uh, a week or two ago. Uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler is going to go up real quick. There's no special versions of it There's just because it's an uncommon. So you just have your regular and your foil. And you're going to see that go up I think a lot as time passes because it is the more popular choice at the moment over um, uh, what's its face here? Uh, Swift Spear and Soulscar Mage, which used to be the the best one drops you could do in a lot of decks. And now you're on this channeler who gives you that card selection. You know, is three three on turn three or four better than? a 1-1 one, one on turn 1, and then a 2-2, two, two, or maybe a 3-3 three, three on other turns. We'll see. It's. I mean, we've seen it. Let's see, we had... Uh, I, I lab, my, my deck labeling here, for those of you who end up seeing the spreadsheet, is uh, creative, I think, is a favorable way to phrase it. <laughs> but I have um, Rakdos Ragavan took down 4th place in this event. Um, it also got third and eighth in this other challenge we're going to talk about. And that's the a black red build. But then the blue red, which essentially looks like a Delver build without Delver. I, I titled it blue red Delver substitute took uh, fourth or fifth and sixth in this event, as well as second and fifth uh, in the other event. So that had a good couple days as well. And Dragon Rage Chandler's in both of those. So I agree with you that this um, has really really claimed a spot here very quickly i think it's because of the synergy with the um, murktide regent um, because you can surveil and put more cards in the yard that much faster you know they're still playing stuff like thought scour but um they're not messing around with uh playing actual delver you know this is a deck that looks like it should play delver uh given that you're playing uh 24 so you know almost half your deck is instants and sorceries and they're, they said Delver is not good enough. This is, well, so, I mean, Dragon Rage Channeler and I think you meant Murktide Regent, right? Yeah. Are, they have, they're sort of a non-bow because Dragon's Rage Channeler is a delirium. So it needs four card types in your graveyard. But Murktide Regent is Delve and it eats them. Yes. So, I mean, obviously it's good enough, right? Like with the deck took top eight, two top eight slots in both events. So it's definitely getting there, but um, they're a little bit at odds with each other. And so, which means just they're so strong that even competing with each other, they're still it's still good enough. 
And also, like, they're playing Unholy Heat as a burn spell, which, you know, for one mana will deal six if you've got Delirium. So they've got multiple cards, counting on the fact that you've got Mishra's Bauble and a Fetch Land and then an Instant and a Creature in there, and you still got enough to delve Murktide Regent to be, like, a three or four drop, hopefully. It's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh that's a fun looking deck too, and no Delver, which is interesting. You would expect a deck like this to run it, but they're not um just a, a reg, you know, just some expressive iterations, serum visions, counter spells, just that kind of stuff, and some baubles in those uh those blue red lists. Uh and then seventh place goes to ad nauseum, and eighth place is that awesome glimpse of tomorrow deck. Yeah, um I also really dig uh somebody is trying to make the um Dothy Voidwalker inquisition thought sees deck work and that's somebody after my own heart especially playing alongside Kroxa, the uh the rakdos version of ragavan that's uh that's pretty amazing i'm a big big fan of dothy voidwalker yeah you and james uh both are huge fans of this i think it's a very strong card too um i've been keeping an eye on those old border foils but they're still much too pricey for me but yeah this build is the the dothy void walkers with the dragon rage channelers and then they've got the croxa they've also got the ragavans and then just some discard and removal spells essentially with the 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 bobble play set to round out the creature types a lot of unholy heat running around what are we killing that's so big in toughness mm, anything i think it's 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 a it's it's a shock that doesn't go to the face, which is a bummer, but I bet the fact that it scales up so high for one mana in a deck that's definitely going to have the four card types, like you're willing to trade the face for the ability to kill almost anything. That's true. For one mana killing, just about anything feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else that uh, makes you want to buy something or invest hard? <laughs> uh not a, you know not not here so far uh i mean it is worth noting ragavan is putting up continues to put up really good numbers here um so i would be be curious to see how how long he can hold it he might end up being um let's see what is his price tag we were looking at 75 dollars for the most basic version of ragavan wow. 80 for the borderless did you see that somebody started a, uh, there's a metric for it. It's a, uh, oh, what is, it's not a monkey. It's something, but it's basically the type of monkey that Ragavan is. Uh, I am, hold on. I'm going to Google small monkey. And, <laughs> no, give me a name. I, yeah, a, mar, a pygmy marmoset. Okay. So they, they started a pygmy marmoset, uh, index and that's how many ragavans do you have to have before you can afford a real pygmy marmoset <laughs> and the cheapest is like it's like 14 like four you could trade 14 top copies of ragavan for an actual pygmy marmoset or something like that wow. um yeah 75 bucks for the but at the same time the like the cheapest version of this card is around 75 dollars but you can get the borderless foils for 140 apparently uh, I mean that's it's pretty tight between yeah one thirty so you'll pay seventy five dollars to buy to buy the like absolute most basic version of this card and then for less than twice as much you can get the borderless foil hmm I mean it seems kind of wild to talk about buying a hundred thirty dollar card I mean that's I've, just printed 
it, it's been in wide release for two weeks now, and it hasn't really fallen. If it was going to fall, it would have by now. You know, people haven't been able to open enough of the Modern Horizons to saint the, the crowd. And this is with people not playing very much Modern in person. What's it going to be like at the first Modern Grand Prix? Now, let's see. It does appear... So the borderless foils not extended art the borderless foils are in all three packs yeah so but your supp- your odds on like pulling it from a regular draft pack or a regular set booster like your set booster you're looking at like one in every thousand ish if i remember right from my article and the dra- the draft booster is a third of that so those yeah, I, those hardly count i'm not saying that it's plentiful i am just saying that if you can like the extended art rares, the extended art rares and mythic rares are only in clockers boosters, right? But the borderless are in all three, so there will be a continual stream for as long as MH2 is opened of the ragavans. In contrast to like the fetches, like right, which you know we've probably already got eighty five percent of that inventory is on the market at this point. I do want to clarify one point with you. You you're saying extended art. There's only original and borderless there is not an extended art correct of ragavan yeah i i borderless cards are in all three packs extended art cards are only in the collector boosters ragavan is a borderless so he will be in all three i'm not sure you're saying uh the name right isn't it like much more like ragavan uh i don't know i i realize that you you have your accent you like to say mana are you, I say mana. You say mana. Yeah. I say mana because that's correct. Mana. It should. I think it's supposed to be more like you, you got to give him his his due. It's more like Ragavan. Well, I, I, I'm giving the, it. This the, is the monkey that's going to smash your face in. So you better get his name right, buddy. Alyssa, I am giving it the white bread Midwestern pronunciation. Midwest. Uh, that's, that's that's how I'm leaning. Uh, okay. Also, I, I I you are correct. It is supposed to be mana. Because there's mana, mana from heaven is different than mana, but I don't like saying mana, so I say mana. And I will you fight say, anyone. You say pop, don't you? No, no, I don't. That's actually hyper regional. And whatever. Buffalo is pop, but an hour east of here in Rochester and then Syracuse, where I'm from, is soda. Buffalo is like the first city traveling west from the coast, it says pop. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. And it, you can essentially draw a cultural border and uh, they talk about Buffalo as the gateway to the Rust Belt because even though it is in New York, it shares more culturally with um, the Midwest than it does the rest of New York. It's kind of funky. Uh, Anyways, the other event, there's another event. Uh, First place taken down by Hammer Time. That's the the big fat hammer boy that hits people. Let me scroll back up to that deck and find it. Colossus Hammer, 10-10, loses flying, does some work. That hits hard. That is a fun-looking card. Uh, Headed by by James' favorite card, Esper Sentinel. Because it's an awesome card. You can call it James' favorite card, but it's just a good card, man. Yeah, I am not disagreeing. I know he's got um, fans amongst the Discord as well. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying it. I never said it was bad. I just said I hadn't, wasn't up to his level yet of excitement. Um, but I think that's the most relevant card here. The Giver of Runes is interesting. The uh, 
those modern, those old border foils might be worth a pass because the modern Horizon One foil, old border foil reprints are only in the collector boosters, right? Um, which means that the supply on these is uh, going to be low relative to the other old border foils in the set. And it looks like different Giver Runes. Do you know what the Giver Runes old border foil costs right now? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess 40 uh-huh. $8. Holy biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> I was a little surprised to see that myself. All right. Uh, you got me on I that mean, one. $8? There's 130 vendors. Wow. Like, that's a deep... Yeah, that's deep, right? For Giver of Runes? Wow. Like, I was... For... I got really confused when the Secret Layers came out. I thought they were doing four Giver of Runes, and I thought that was just going to print it into Oblivion, but no, it's it's the Mother of Runes, the, mm-hmm. the Legacy version. So, um, $8 is ridiculously tempting. Really? This, this is only... This is an 8700 EDH decks, too. I mean, that's not... It's not inconsequential. Like that's a this is a decent profile for four three percent three percent of white decks. It's not bad. Like one in twenty five or something. One in twenty four around there. Yeah, that's uh, there's that's a bit of a sleeper pick. I mean, one hundred and thirty vendors and and uh, probably some inventory walls in here. I see a tenor. Um, so you'd probably be on this for a little while, but I, your this version essentially won't be replaced. Right. Um, even if, even if they did a, a really nice borderless copy, like the old border foil will still have an appeal to it. Right. Am, am I remembering that correctly? Hold on. Where's that stupid article that I have to go back to this booster fun article to make sure I got that correct. Oh, for what was in what? Yeah, because uh, yeah, but- yeah, MH1 retro frames only in collector boosters, both the right. foil and foil etched. Yep. Hmm. Worth thinking about there. Uh, second place and uh, the fifth place is that blue red Delver Delverless Delver. Um, the Raptos Rag- Ragavan in third. Cookbook shows up in third place, which uh, pushed a couple card prices, but we didn't see in these lists quite as much. This is the Asmardak. Um, that uses Underworld Cookbook and Oval Chase Daredevil and Street Wraith and all sorts of good stuff there. It's just all good stuff. Uh, I also like calling it Urza's Kitchen. It's always a, a fun name for it. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, they call it Urza's Kitchen, but yeah, Urza is in here, isn't he? Yeah, Urza's in. Uh, well, no, Urza's yeah, in Urza's in here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the Ra- uh, Raptor's Ragavan finishes off. But uh, Elementals in six, like just straight up Elementals. Four Flamekin Harbinger. Um, it's got an Endurance. It's got some Fury. It's got five Omnaths. Revile Arc. Some Risen Reef. This four Solitudes. The Sword the Plowshares Elemental. Uh, incarnation, some subtlety, <laughs> unsettled mariner. That's the two mana two two from Modern Horizons. Um, it's a cha- change lane uh, that essentially, whenever anything becomes a target, counter unless you pay one. I feel like that's been like pseudo keyworded, but I don't remember what it's called. Uh, that's kind of. I think ward is what they went with. Is that they might have, uh, they might give that a keyword of ward one now. Is what you're thinking of. Is, okay, is that the actual rules text for Ward? The rules text is uh, whenever this becomes a target of a... I'm not sure if Ward is spell or ability. Let me look it up real quick. Um, okay. 
Uh, what's a creature with four? It's got the four voice resurgence. Four voice resurgence. Two. I haven't seen that in a while. But that at this point, that card has several printings, so I can't really talk about it as a re, as a uh, yeah so valid option. It would be. Um, they might errata it to be ward one whenever this creature. Uh, well, no, because all permanents you control gain ward one whenever this creature becomes a target of a spell or ability an opponent controls. Uh, counter that spell unless that player plays one one. Okay, so it's effectively word. I mean, I don't think they'll errata it because they don't go back. They don't typically yeah. go back and errata keywords on the cards. But uh, it's, it's effectively that is what they did was ward it. Okay, because I think there was a card that, I, but I can't remember what the creature was that essentially it was like the oh they you know they, it was like it's a shadow mage infiltrator ability. But like uh, I don't remember what it was off the top of my head though. Yeah, um, I've, I've been in magic for too long. I can't remember anything anymore. That's true. You're too much. You're you've got too much space taken up by magic cards and not enough by um, what day it was that uh, you know something important happened in your life. Well, that's extremely, extremely true. I can't index it fast enough. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, okay, so anything else in this top eight you want to touch on before we move along? Uh, just that if these affinity decks, um, there's. Uh, one that did play the, um, what's the affinity draw to guy? Thought Delver? Thought Monitor. Thought Monitor. Thought Monitor. Hang on, I gotta sneeze. Oh, thank goodness for that mute button. Uh, Thought Monitor is one of my favorite near bulk picks right now from Modern Horizons. Um, mm. because, like, we it is ridiculous that you get the artifact and the two cards for two mana. So that's a four dollar card. <laughs> oh, it's four dollar. I thought it was going to be much much cheaper than that. Well, biscuits. Got... Well, if you bought them at bulk pricing, good news. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I'm guessing it didn't get that deep. Uh, all right, segment so to our top paper movers. We're going to start off the list here with our Gothian Enchantress out of EMA. This is the reprint of uh the long-standing urza saga enchantment extraordinaire um two mana oh one shroud an ability you don't see much of these days uh and whenever you cast an enchantment and draw a card the ema copies jump from 35 to 65 for not quite a double up uh on the back of thesis heart god what a nightmare word for someone with a lisp sit Sithis Harvest's Hand, which is the enchant legendary enchantment creature from Modern Horizons 2, that whenever you cast one, you gain a life and draw a card. So a very powerful engine if you want to annoy the hell out of everyone at your table by playing an enchantment deck. Yep, you're just going to slot it in there and just uh, buzz through your deck. It's very straightforward and very fun. Because you can't do anything. For you. you. Well, for you. That, the fun is a finite resource, sir. I'm going to have Ooh, all of it. So, Near Mint Foil, Argothian Enchantress, Judge Promos are 150 bucks. That's a good buy. And, yeah, I, I that is another pricey, pricey card, yeah. but I bet you that is a good choice. As somebody who, uh, in the last couple months, had to buy the $400 foil of Urza's Incubator... When I, when I was flinching earlier in the year at $200, uh, if you're thinking about getting a card like this in this range, go ahead and get it now before you feel extra dumb spending twice as much. Uh, yeah, and I think I sold a FNM Quarian Ranger, which is the old border foil right. 
for I think it was three hundred dollars. Right. So if I can get three hundred dollars for that, I bet you that one hundred fifty dollars for these is worth it. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Uh, uh, what's next? Next up, we have Emery, Lurker of the Loch and uh, Throne of Eldraine. The regular copies, nothing special. Gone from three dollars to just under six on the back of the uh, Urza's Kitchen decks that uh, are just trying to bring your artifacts back over and over again. It's a lovely comb- combination with the Underworld Cookbook. Uh, there's a lot of synergies you can exploit with Urza, with Mishra's Bauble. There's a lot of good stuff you can do with this card. And uh, even with the base copies being going up, uh, any special copies you have, you should think about moving. Yeah, uh, Emery was a very good card when it was released. It didn't quite get the traction all of us expected it to, but uh, we seem to be having a second coming here, um, and I am a fan. I think that there's probably meat on the bone somewhere in here, most likely. The extended art foils are like 60 bucks, so I mean, that's a, it's a tall ask, but, but like <laughs> it makes you wonder. Um, following on that is Glimmer Void out of Modern Masters and on foils for about a double in the 9 to 19 roughly uh, affinities. You know, seeing some light of day here. It's been a while since we've talked about affinity, really. Um, Arcbound Ravenger just fell off the face of the map. It's one of the only inventions I bought that I'm underwater on. But the affinity has been shown up in Modern partly and thanks to that Metal B they printed. Um and I saw, I did, it's not on the list, I trimmed it out, but I saw Memnite floating around too. So it looks like a couple of people are buying into the deck. Yeah, the, uh, the, the B is a good way to put it. Zabaz is what it is, the Glimmer Wasp. It's, it's Zabaz. Zabaz. I like it's it. My, it's my name for that card. Next up, we have uh, Engineered Explosives out of Double Masters. Has just about doubled up from 5 to about 11. Uh, it's always been a popular sideboard choice for range of decks, uh, most recently Amulet Titan, but you'll find it in a lot of places, and every time it, it goes down, it, it generally comes back up. Yeah, we'll touch on this a little bit later, but uh, Ex- Engineer Explosives has been um, a little almost surprisingly inexpensive for a little while now, but it, it kind of fell out of favor. I do think that it's back in a pretty big way, right now and probably will hang there for at least a good period of time just you know between ragavan and dragon rage channeler the converted monocost feels like it's dropped a little bit in modern even more one drops are pretty hot right now uh and if i take a moment hold on hold on cliff yes hold on okay i'm holding hold on a second so if we go over to modern creatures uh, actually, you know what the most popular creature in modern is? Ooh, on, on goldfish. Uh, bone crusher giant. <laughs> no, it is Lurus. <laughs> oh, which is kind <laughs> of funny. But in the top ten, there are three one-drop creatures. Uh, all one-drops are all red too. Swift spear channeler and uh, ragvan hierarch down at fifteen. Ignoble hierarch, I'm sure, is floating around here or will be shortly um so a a lot of one drops in modern and unsurprisingly the the convert monocost of the format will continue to drift down as more and more cards get printed so ee's stock even though it can wax and wane with the metagame on a longer trend probably just continues to get better i'm with you on that uh what was next on the list 
That would be Grolf's Messenger, a card some of us remember well from our days of playing the original Innistrad in Standard. We're talking about the foils here, although I know non-foils moved as well. We might have talked about that last week. I think we did. Maybe not. Uh, 22 to 50 for these foils. That's from the Yawgmoth Sacrifice decks, green-black decks that use the the eponymous Yawgmoth to sacrifice a bunch of stuff. It has an infinite combo in there with a card I forget. Um, Draws Messenger was a big player in Standard way back in the day, but never quite had the meat to make it in Modern. But now that this is a legitimate strategy, it's part of essentially a, an infinite kill chain. And I saw that non-foils are up to $25, and it's like being in Standard again. So uh, if you're like me, you went and dug these out of your bulk bin, because I don't think they were worth more than a couple bucks a few months ago. And now they're worth a lot more than that. I just had to check my zombie commander deck to see if I left Garrel's Messenger in there, and I did not. Oh, I so I got good for your commander deck because it was bad there. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was. It was not a great zombie. I like my zombies. Uh, next up, we have Darklick, Dark Slick Shores from the Zendikar Rising Expeditions. Uh, there's going to be a little theme going on here. Three of the past lands are on the list this week. Uh, Dark Slick Shores has gone from about twenty to about forty-seven. Uh, we're in modern and we are trying to do things quickly and you don't want to mess around with stuff that comes into play tapped. And this is a sweet, sweet version, especially if you can't get an original foil. I'm partial to the rising expeditions with the angularness of the frame. And, uh, we also have Seachrome Coast doing about a triple up from nine to 25 and Black Cleed Cliffs going from 23 to nearly a hundred. So there's a lot of demand for this fast mana showing just how quick modern is becoming as a format. And people are trying to play these sweet versions of the fast lands. Hey Cliff, what is happening to the price on this Zendikar expedition? Which one? Dark Slick Shores. It has gone from 20 to 47. You would say it's rising. Oh, come on, man. Come on, this is a family podcast, sir. It's a family yeah, it, show, and you're going to do things it, like that? For shame. I'm going to take the opportunity where shame. I have them. Uh, God, I walked into that. Ugh. Er, yes, yes, you did. That's right. Earlier today at work, I got somebody on a stop, collaborate, and listen, and I think he might have been too young to get it. Um, yeah, all, all these expeditions... Uh, Fast lands moving just, you know, as I was just saying, because the, the monocost is moving down, decks are speeding up in modern right now. And, uh, you know, I will say, I think the expeditions are a better choice than the, than the original pack foils. Those will probably hold a, a, a slightly higher price tag. Again, they're the originals, probably. But I think that, like, I mean, for my dollar, I think the Zendikar Rising frames are the best. I don't even love those frames, but the original frames, just like, whatever. They're just there. And I also really dislike the Phyrexian landscape that they were all done with. Um, so I just think overall the expedition art is better, and I can't imagine I'm the only one. Well, clearly you're not, based on the number of people who uh, who went and bought these with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say that I think these are uh, a little hunted. Um, I think this was... in th These were targeted, I think, across the board, but I don't think it's wrong either. Yeah, I mean... Plus, it didn't cost them too much. I mean, there couldn't have been that many copies out there in, like, Seachrome Coast. You know, you sweep them all up for $9 a piece. I don't imagine there was more than 50 floating around TCG. Could be wrong. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the get the, these prices that we're talking about that were real cheap, so it was not hard to buy in. Uh, Island of Walk Walk out of Arabian Nights, seven fifty to two thousand. I think I sold one for two hundred and fifty dollars a couple of years ago. Feeling real good about that. Uh, Parallel Evolution out of Torment, um, a card that this is this is one of those cards I said last week. Um, or maybe I said it in Discord, I don't know, that it doesn't matter what you think should happen. What matters is what people are buying. And Parallel Evolution was always a card that I thought should cost more money than it did. It should it should have seen more play than it did, and it should have cost more money than it did. And apparently it took like seven years for me to be sort of right. But these Parallel Evolutions from Torment jumped from six and change up to 20 for about a triple up because of Chatterfang. Uh, this card did not just get good with Chatterfang. It's been good, but people finally figured it out. I wonder if it was on Command Zone or something. Uh, but this is the five mana sorcery from Torment that doubles all of your tokens in play. Uh, and it has flashbacks. So you can do it again if you're real filthy. And if you manage to cast it for five without using your Gaia's Cradle, then you get to use your Gaia's Cradle and probably made enough mana to immediately cast a flashback and make all sorts of mana. Um, it was in the list, but we know that the list is essentially irrelevant for significantly changing price tags. Um so this will probably hang around, honestly, probably hang around 20-ish bucks, maybe even more. Uh, Parallel Lives is selling for something like $70 now. So Yeah, I saw Jason's if, tweet about that. Yeah, so may, maybe this has got a bigger future. Well, the fun bit with Chatterfang is that Parallel Evolution is a triple up. Because with Chatterfang's ability, you, you get double the squirrels. So you're just going to like have the swarm and uh, do disgusting things with it. Uh, please, everybody, uh, find a way to give all your stuff haste. There's nothing that makes me sadder than parallel evolutioning for some arbitrarily large number of tokens, and then somebody like plays a plague engineer on Squirrel, and then everybody just <laughs> takes a moment and cackles at you. So play some haste, do some work, and uh, go forth and do disgusting things with parallel evolution. That never w- disgusting. It never works for me. I like every time I've put it into a token theme deck, I've never done well with it. I always end up taking it out because it's like, well, I need tokens to make this good, but I need more cards that make me tokens rather than stuff to do after I've got a bunch of tokens. Do, do discussing things with the parallel evolution, not the scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I will say that Parallel Evolution does feel a little win more sometimes. But if you're playing token decks where the tokens are of slightly more value, it's it's hard. You're paying more per token, so it's hard to get a big mass on the board. Where, But if you're playing Squirrels, it seems like it'll be easier to generate a larger quantity of them because they're effectively a, a smaller, cheaper token than you might if you were like trying to, to play cards that make four four tokens type of thing. Yeah, and keep in mind, everybody, uh, this is this will eventually get a reprint, and when it does, it's going to fall like a rock, because this is just in Torment and just in the list, which is a very small quantity. Uh, when it gets reprinted, um, it's going to be like the um, like uh, Patriarch's Bidding. It'll be uh, a much cheaper card when it ends up in a Commander deck or whatever. Yeah, I think that's a really good parallel and a very good point to um, 
I, I agree completely that it is in that type of situation. It is flashback, which makes it tough to put into most products that leaves you with like secret layer, maybe a lar- you know, extra product like a Modern Horizons type of thing and commander decks. And realistically, it'd be the commander decks that would yeah, get it right. I think that would be especially the if common. they printed. Yeah. And especially if they printed Chatterfang earlier this year, you know, we could see this show up in um, one of the commander decks for the rest of the year, right? That we have like two two more sets of commander decks that'll come out this year that it could be in. So really, if you wanted to hedge your bets, you probably just want to sell now, honestly. Yeah, I'd be selling now if I had extra copies. Um, speaking of selling now, uh, Shatterstorm, the Invocation version, has done a triple up from about 30 to around 100. And uh, it doesn't take a lot of people wanting an, uh, an Invocation version of something in order for a card to go way the heck up. I don't think it's seen a lot of sideboard play in Modern, because it's four mana to destroy all artifacts. But, um, you know, a lot of... uh, We're going to see a couple other anti-artifact cards on this list coming up to uh, really deal with the Affinity Menace. Yeah, I I am not convinced that Shatterstorm is on this list because of Modern play... I'm inclined to imagine it's based more on it's just an, an invocation, and we we've seen the invocations getting chipped off here and there right. over the months. Um, yeah, I plug it in, and I don't I see it not really being in modern in any meaningful capacity. It's just just an it was a cheap invocation, and now it's not. It's less so. That's all there is to it. Uh, after that is Kataki Wars Wage, which uh, a couple versions popped up. This is the Modern Masters non-foil for two to eight for about a, almost a, trip, a quadruple up. And I think most of them were in the same ballpark. But it's seen a good amount of sideboard play in the various like black, white, stone blade type decks. Um, Stoneforge obviously being a big component of those. But Kataki is a good sideboard card to hurt hurt on affinity decks and what has i think made this card stock rise is the introduction of of more of the artifact lands to modern because before most of your lands weren't artifacts so your mana base was not disrupted by kataki um now however (laughs) it is so if you landed a kataki on turn four against affinity in the past on their upkeep with the triggers on the stack, they would, you know, reanimate or animate Ink Moth, sack all their artifacts to Arc Bound, sack Arc Bound to Ink Moth, and like they don't pay the tax and they have a decent sized Ink Moth. Uh, but now the fact that this hits a lot of their more of their lands makes this very potent. Uh, I would sell here if I have them. Uh, there's several copies of this card. More could always come. It's a sideboard card. I, I would just take it and get out while the opportunity's there. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, it, it's only been in Saviors, uh, Modern Masters uh, 1, which was 2013, and that lovely modern event deck, which was the only legal way to play Stoneforge for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. not that many out there like in all conditions tcg just has uh 39 plus 33 there's only there's under 70 copies on tcg in total and so uh i would be selling my copies off if i had extras okay what else we got cliff uh next up we have shattering spree out of guild pact has gone from about four bucks to just under 20 and uh you know you pick x artifacts you pay x red mana and you do the thing um if they don't have the welding jar ready to go uh you can do a lot of pain 
with uh, something like this. Uh, also, um, it gets around uh, everybody's favorite way to mess with stuff in Modern, which is Veil of Summer, which is a card I could have sworn they banned, but I guess they didn't. <laughs> now, if memory serves me, be- Shattering Spree's rules text is, has, has Replicate. Right. When you play it, copy it for each time you cast its replicate cost. Yes. And I want to say this works with prowess. Oh, uh, that's a good question. Let's see. Because if you search for it, it shows up in the, the Is It Blitz deck, which is, um, it has a ch- the Dragon Rage Channeler, but also the Swift Spear, Soul Scar Mage, Stormwing Entity, all prowess creatures, a lot of cheap spells. Now, I could be wrong because the I'm looking at the rules text on prowess, and it says when you cast a non-creature spell, and Shattering Spree says when you pl- cast it, copy it. I don't think it triggers each prowess. It would trigger the Magecraft where you copy things, but I don't think you get multiple castings on one card off this yeah i think you're right i think it's i think that's what i might have been thinking about is the mage craft but not prowess so it ends up being in the is it blitz deck for being useful but it doesn't have a a special synergy with these cards Hmm. bummer uh (laughs) ashes of the fallen i'm hoping you remember what this is for because i was unclear uh nope uh i'm trying to click through and look for it because it turns stuff into the same creature type Uh, that's right and it's grist oh okay because it turns every creature in your grist deck into an insect is that and it's because it's uh each creature in your graveyard is also a um an insect and grist cares about insects lets you mill your entire deck okay yeah, because it's cre- it's create an insect, then mill a card. If an insect card was milled, put a loyalty counter counter on Grist and repeat. And by the time it checks to see if an insect card was milled, it was. So it yes goes infinitely. Although that does not have yeah, that doesn't a main trigger with, on it, and it doesn't deal with lands either. Like what happens when you mill a land? Oh, then nothing happens. So it's it's not infinite. It's just every you you mill as many cards as you have non land as many you mill as many cards as you have creatures in a row. I am thoroughly suspect of this. Well, I mean, I think it's amusing. Okay. I I it but it's you know this is a saviors of Kamigawa card. That's also very with, true. It, with one printing, right? Yeah, there's no uh, no extras around to this. Yeah, so like, <laughs> was not gonna take much to kind of push the price on this one. Yeah, this was the I'm third sure. set. Like, there are it was uh, six to one was the ratio. So if you think of a given uh, Champions of Kamigawa rare, this is six times rarer than any of those Champions rares. So, uh, two Nearmint copies of this have sold today for eleven dollars. If you've got it, sell it, bro. <laughs> Like you want to sell into this hype right now? That's uh, uh, I would agree with you, Clifford. Uh, did you see they're doing uh, the? Did you see the screenshots from the Clifford the Big Red Dog movie today? I did, and middle school me would like to set you on fire. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's 
not, not meant to hurt your feelings. Uh, did you catch how bad the CG is on that? I'm hoping this gets the Sonic the Hedgehog treatment, where some, they, this is like they leaked it to see how people would do with it. And when they, when you know people are falling down in the streets saying, dear God, dear God, what is that thing? They can go back and say, all right, we need this to look more like the cartoon. I. I, I don't know, because that first Sonic version was so bad, it seemed almost intentional. Like, they were trying to drum up. Oh, no, I think they were... Like, a reaction. They were going but for Clifford, a, a real Sonic. Well, okay, so it... Yeah, it was just, it was so bad. The Clifford doesn't look like it's intentionally bad. Like, it wasn't a bad decision being made. Like, it was just poor execution, because it looks like they tried to do it correctly, but they just didn't put any shadows in and like the lighting's off and it seriously looks like a copy paste job. Yeah. I would agree with you on uh, that. Uh, I expect that your Facebook page will involve a lot of people photoshopping you poorly into that movie. Thanks buddy. Thanks for getting yeah, them. Ideas. I hope your friends listen. Hi mom. Yeah. How you doing? Your mom, your mom listens to this podcast. Occasionally. Really? She, she says I don't call her enough, so she listens when I do the podcast. <laughs> my mom, I think my mom tried to listen once or twice. It's, it's true. Uh, she was she, she was interested in the content, but she said I sound too annoying, so she stopped. Yeah, she she said she doesn't understand what the heck I'm talking about, but clearly I like it, and I'm enthusiastic, and that's all that really matters. Uh <laughs> Uh, Street Wraith, uh, the Time Spiral remastered foils. Uh, Street Wraith is good in Urza's Kitchen. That's why that card is there. Yes. Because it's a free discard for Asmore. I'm glad that we're we're all agreeing to just uh, abbreviate it Asmore. And yeah, I'm not trying. Uh, foil, yeah, the foil's here for to $40, supposedly. Uh, I don't think you're going to get $40 for these foils, but I think you will get 15 and you will be happy with that. You will be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, it's a an uncommon that just got reprinted. I mean, there's one foil right now on TCG Player. Um, that for $80. Let's see. Even the non-foils are yeah, kind of low, although someone has 77 copies. Yeah, I'm, I'm for selling stuff like this into the hype. Uh, I don't need to mess around with... Yeah, 111 copies at uh, 439 a piece. Uh, you get down with your bad self. <laughs> uh, and what is our winner this week, Cliff? Uh, our winner this week is also a card from Urza's Kitchen, the Oval Chase Daredevil Foils, uh, going all the way from, uh, like, what, 10 cents uh, under a buck to uh, a listed price of $30. Uh, this is out of Kaladesh, and when an artifact comes into play, you get to return it from your graveyard to your hand. So it's yet another thing you can just keep pitching to the cookbook and do disgusting things with i i should have taken this off the list oh really i gotta level with you okay. I, because the thing is is the double map i believe that the kaladesh price is something stupid but the double i'm just looking now at the double masters listing and there's 67 vendors and they're like a dollar okay well uh you know we can cut this or we can just move on no no we're gonna leave it i think it's worth being aware of it okay but um yeah it looks like the 
It's just kind of a weird price data point. Yeah, there's a, a lot of foils of the Double Master under a buck still, so uh, jump so in there. Buy those instead. Yeah. yeah, buy those instead if you want them. Okay, hopping over to segment three, our cards to watch. Cliff, please enlighten us. Well, um, I'm going to lead off with a pick that's near and dear to my heart. Um, if you hang out in the Discord, we talk about uh, Commander decks, and I like to talk about my Ur-Dragon deck a whole bunch. And uh, I think that with Tiamat coming out, uh, we're going to have some real dragony spikes. We're getting a real dragon-themed set. And uh, Udvara Hellkite is my pick for the one that'll be the easiest money in terms of dragons. Right now you can get non-foil copies for about $10 here in the U.S. And that's going to be an easy double up. Yes, it's uh, 8 mana, but you play it and you immediately are going to get paid because you're attacking with the dragons and getting more dragon tokens. Uh, you can go for foils. They're, they've dried up real hard. There's only one right now on TCG Player that's near mint for 70. Um, but you can get foils over in Europe for around 25 euro. If you've got that connection, I would uh, make use of that. But even the non-foils are going to be a, a slam dunk when the dragon hype hits and people are able to build around Tiamat. Yeah, so we're looking at 53 vendors on TCG Player right now. So there's kind of a, a medium stock here. I don't see any huge walls. Um, if they are, they're over 20, so that's fine. Uh, I think your reasoning is solid. Um, the Hellkite does not have a lot of versions really at all. We have the Return of the Ravnica. It was in C17. What are we looking at? There's another 85 copies there. Oh, that's a lot of Japanese copies. Sorry, the gaming company. I don't know how many of those you're going to sell through. <laughs> um, so there's definitely an inventory out there. I think it's fair to say at this point. Uh, but it's not like you have to clear all of that to hit 20 bucks. And I do agree that Tiamat is going to force some excitement in, in, into the Dragon Tribe again, unsurprisingly. And Uvara is a very good one to go get. So, uh, I, you know, there are probably, it looks like maybe 200 or more English near mint copies of Utvara spread across the various printings. Um, but realistically, if Tiamat sees 1500 people that bought, build it in the first month and, a third of those, 20% of those, go buy it on TCG Player. You wiped out most of the inventory. Without looking, Travis, how many decks do you think it's in on EDH Rec? Uh, I know it's popular. I'm going to say 9,000? 10,000. Yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty solid number there. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the numbers are a little daunting because the inventory is so deep, but I do think Tiamat could really push the price. And 10 to 20 is a, a relatively conservative call, too. Yeah, it, it could go a lot higher, being that it's, you know, a mythic in the original set, and then you got your commander copies to work through, and then the guild kit, which I'm still not sure what the heck that is. But um, this is just, like, one of the sweetest dragons you could have. And mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be one of the first things that you, like... Tiamat is, I believe, seven mana, so the curve is gonna be perfect. <laughs> well, there you go. 
Um, okay, I think you're. Uh, I think you're unlikely to lose out going that road. Well, thank you for that ringing endorsement. Tell me about one of your picks. <laughs> Was not intended to be uh, tongue in cheek. Mm. Uh, da- not intended to be damned by faint praise, but perhaps that is the most damning. Um, uh, I'm gonna kick off this week with Woe Strider. Whoa, Whoa. Strider. Uh, Yep. The extended art foils from Theros Beyond Death. Woe Strider is the three mana three two. It makes a goat when it comes into play. You can sack a creature to scry. You can escape it. It comes in the, when it escapes, it has counters on it. The, the relevant part here is that it's a three mana creature that has a sack another creature text, which is useful. Uh, I stumbled upon it in Corvold. Uh, which is, by the way, the second most popular commander in the last two years behind only uh, Golos. Uh, quite a popular, popular fellow Corbold is. But Woe Strider extended art foils from Theros Beyond Death. Uh, Woe Strider's in 10,000 EDH rock decks, so just about the same as you bar Hellkite. Uh, there's only 14 vendors on TCG right now. You sell eight copies and you're up to 15 bucks. So it's not like, so I mean, you're getting a 50% gain with eight copies. Um, it is $10 right now. Sorry, it's $10 right now. You only have to move about eight copies before the price is 15. I think 10 to like 25 is reasonable within roughly the next year. Um, just because inventory is low, the card is popular, not just in Corvold, but in EDH across the board. And I think people are sleeping on Theros Beyond Death foils, extended our stuff a little bit because the set was relatively lackluster in the midst of all of the other stuff. Was also the only damn set that I bought and cracked four collector's boosters for. So uh, that was great. Um, but I think overall the Woe Striders are, are in relatively good shape. Four booster packs or four booster boxes? Four four collector booster cases. Cases. So it was like eight hundred dollars. You went through a lot of Theros there. Uh, I think this is a solid pick. Um, I had to go look at see uh, on EDH rec if Woe Strider was in ten thousand decks. What was Viscerasier in? And it's in three times as oh, many. Oh God! Which is a surprise yeah. to me because Woe Strider. Sure, it's two more mana, but it is so much better for the same effect. Although you can't can uh, you sacrifice itself to. Um, you can sacrifice no. yourself itself in Viscerous here, but you can't do that with Woe Strider, I guess. Yeah, Woe Strider doesn't allow that. I mean, like, I actually, I don't actually think it's, I would be surprised if it's that much better than Viscerous here. Like, how much does, I mean, I guess the fact that you get to escape it, yeah. escaping is not until end of turn, so you get a second run at it. No, escape is... What do you mean end of turn? It's immediate. It, it's it's not. It's not only until end of turn. So, like, that's irrelevant. It, like, if it was, like, on Earth, yeah. and you'd only get it for the turn, it'd be like, eh, it's not super relevant. But the fact that it stays in play is actually quite nice. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really good. And this is this is solid. This is one of the best cards in the set, and it's still only $10 for the EA foils. Sign me up. I'm there. Well, thank you, Clifford. You're welcome. I don't, what else I don't have an extended na- version of your name. How sad... <laughs> yeah that's that's my secret power here is i get to do that to other people but they can't do it to me it's true uh next up um let me take this moment to tell everybody who listens to the podcast to go buy as many secret layer of the praetors and foil that you can i don't know if mm. you and james have explicitly told people to do this but 40 dollars for all five praetors in phyrexian foil is ridiculous um 
there's a, a whole lot of people who don't know about secret layers, and that is Wizards' fault. They don't do a good job, like, communicating to their casual markets. And you are going to have the easiest time selling this. I'm guessing that within a year, you'll be able to sell the set for 100 plus. And, um, like, $40 for all of these. Like, right now, stupid uh, Vorinclex is something like 30 right? Uh, yeah, he's... We, so, uh, well, you can finish your thought, and then I'll chime in when you've... Yeah, regular Vorinclex is 35 uh, non-foil in bad condition. So, uh, to get all five of these in foil in Phyrexian for $40, uh, I'm planning on buying a bunch of these, and I'm going to tell everyone who listens to this, go ahead and buy them, because people don't buy these in the quantities that you think they do. And only the people who like really care about following wizards and keeping up with the secret layers, most magic players don't. And that's why you see so many secret layers going for over what their original cost was. This is the, the easiest money. Um, I bought 10 of the full art land foil, and I thought that was good. I'm going to buy 10 of these and think it's even better. Uh, so we did talk about this last week. Okay. I think it was last week. Uh, two weeks ago? I've been on know. vacation. I haven't listened to you guys in a while. Some number of weeks ago we talked about this. It was probably last weekend. Um, and this was James' top pick for that secret layer right was the the praetors and my, i i could not really argue with him um i also think that it is extremely well played positioned my only argument against it uh was that it is it seems so obvious that i think a lot of people are going to go very deep like i wouldn't be super i don't i don't remember if there's a limit to how many you can buy on Ten. secret layer you are only allowed to buy 10? I think you need uh, alternate emails and alternate Wizards accounts to buy more than 10. Hmm. So, I mean, you could if you wanted to, I suppose. It, on, I, it, we've, I, I say this, I've said this every week for a couple months now, uh, was that I would be really curious to see a full post-mortem on all the secret layers so far, like um, initial price. And what they, you know, what they kind of ended up at at certain time periods, especially relative to their popular perceived popularity during the purchase window. So you have stuff like the cat secret layer, which nobody cared about when it was released, but then got expensive because nobody bought it. So I do wonder if the secret layer traders are going to sell a ton of copies and put a little bit more of a drag on the price just because everyone went and bought them. However, you raise a very interesting point that James and I did not discuss, which is that people don't know about the secret layers, which isn't, I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that. Um, so you're telling me that is, in your experience, like the people at your card stores and what have you don't know that they that the secret layers are out there? Yes, uh, I think that's what drives these prices is that like, look at how many of the secret layers have gone up in price. It's not because people are like, all of a sudden, I have to have rats. It's not like some new rat thing came out and they said, oh, we have to go get all of our... The rats is just the first one that came to my mind. But all of these are like, sure, they're available for a month, but it's a month like you have to be plugged into this. You have to be following people who are telling you to buy it. You have to be, 
giving a shit about the fact that Wizards has these available. And uh, I just checked, and your quantity is 30, is your maximum. Uh, that'll run you $1,200. So mm. um, I don't know if I'm going to go the full 30. I've got to see like what I got left after our group buy of uh, Modern Horizon singles. But um, this is just such easy money. Like It's going to be very difficult to distinguish this from your Judge Foil Alesh Norn. You know, like you could get the Judge Foil Lesh Norn for, uh, what is it now? Two hundred dollars or something. Sure. Or you could spend sixty dollars and get one that looks exactly the same. Isn't it cool looking? And you can get the Vorinclex, the Shieldred, the Urbrask. Have you ever played a Commander game where Urbrask is on the table? It sucks. Yeah, that card is awesome. <laughs> I know, right? So you're gonna get all of these in Phyrexian foil at like. Eight dollars each. Bucks each. It's ridiculous, and yeah. like, I I don't think enough people are going to, like, they're going to know about it. They're like, oh, that's cool, and then they're not going to buy it, and then something will come along. Like, oh, wait, I do want to have these predators, and we know how popular they are because we know what their current prices are, and everybody is telling you to buy these. Sure, and it's still going to do very well for all the people who couldn't buy it right now because we are still in the tail end of a pandemic we're still uh you know not plugged in they don't care about magic until they can go play in paper in person again you know all of these are good reasons why some of these secret la- all the secret layers have been decent this one is ridiculous i mean that's a, that's a good point too that you know sales even from Sales to players who aren't the most hardcore but are still usually plugged in may be on the maybe low still just because it's you know they're not playing magic regularly right now so they're not paying attention and maybe you know these are the people who used to play a good bit but didn't get in the spell table and just kind of put it down but will return late this year and next year spell table like you got to have the people and the setup and the patience yeah. It's it's not necessarily an easy thing to get into. And um, you know, we we have a distorted view of it because we're so plugged in and like um you spend time on our Discord and it's really easy to just like lose hours with all the stuff people are talking about. But with the secret layers, um the fact that we see such consistent growth from the secret layers tells me that there's a lot of people who just don't know or didn't bother to buy and are like, well, I'll get it when I want it. Well, later on, when you want it, it's going to cost you more. So <laughs> go go buy these right now. Um, I'm going to have to do some math. You've got until July 23rd to figure out how many you want to buy. And I think that you'll be able to... A, a double up is going to be easy on this, especially because it looks like the packaging is even smaller. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you raised some very good points here. Um, I think as as strong a case James made for it last week, I think you have only solidified that. Thank um, you, Very insightful. Uh, I'm going to pick out my next two in a row here. Uh, the first is Priest of Forgotten Gods, a card you might have forgotten. <laughs> my God. Is uh, this was the this was actually a really cool card. This was done by a friend of mine, Zachary Stella. Um, 
the because it's from the card is set on Ravnica, but there is the Phyrexian face from oh, the like the apocalypse set symbol is in the art, so it seems to be indicating that the people on Ravnica are aware of the Phyrexians. Um, but it's a two mana one two sack any two creatures. Uh, other players lose two life, sack a creature, and you add mana and draw a card. So kind of a, a little bit of a waste not style action. Um, specifically the pack foils, because this did not have the full art foils. Uh, Priest of Forgotten Gods is in 13,500 EDH rec decks. Quite popular. There's only 22 vendors for selling foil copies of this. Again, only 10-ish copies, less than that, before you've put 50% on the price. So it's $10 to buy a foil copy of this right now, um, and a, a less than 10 copies before it's 15 on TCG Player. So there's a pretty good ramp there. Again, very popular in Corvold. If you couldn't tell what I was looking at this week, it was Corvold. Mm-hmm. Uh, just ha- just happened to click on it and found the stuff, and I was like, okay, sure. These all look like good choices. Um, I mean, it's essentially the same card as Woe Strider for our purposes, right? Like, it's very similar in that regard. Uh, but I think this also looks really good, too. And will we get a better version of this, an extended art foil or something like that along the road? Yeah, sure, maybe. Until we do, this is the best you're getting. And that's not going to change. And I think 10 to 20-ish, maybe a little over 20, is still fine. Um, even It doesn't have to be phenomenal to be decent. Uh, I also really like the way they templated this, that you get to choose um, who sacrifices creatures. It's not just target player sacks a creature. Any number of players do, so mm-hmm. that you can uh, get uh, everybody at the table. And if you had an extra creature you wanted to throw away for value, you can even do that. So uh, I'm I'm for this, especially when, you know, it's in that, it's right before we goosed the foil rates. It's right before we started getting extended arts and it, you've got this and you've got the, you, this is the foil. This is it. So if you want a sweet one, you got to go for this one. And uh, I like that there's not a huge number of them hanging out on uh, TCG either. This was in, let's see, it was in a promo pack for Throne of Eldrain. Which that's got uh, twelve listings. Those are six bucks, but that's tempting too. But again, there's only, I guess, I had twelve listings, so that's like ten copies there. Yeah. Uh, that's a good choice if you're looking for that. And their pre-release version as well is out there. Uh, again, six seven bucks. So I think any of these, frankly, the pack foil is actually the worst one. I think you get the pre-release foil and the. Um, promo pack foil first because those are all a little cheaper than the pack foils yeah but even so there's you know a uh, hundred odd copies that's not a lot of players to uh drain the amounts and not all those copies are near mint so this is a, this is a solid pick i'm for it yep all right so my other one uh is ramen up excavator which i had to look up because i thought we talked about this last year but i do not believe that we did at least not officially. Ramanak Excavator is the three mana green creature that is Crucible World. You can play lands from your graveyard. Uh, I we Maybe we didn't talk about this in 2020. Maybe it was 2019 I, that we I, talked about this. I would bet money it's been talked about. So Yeah, I, I don't care. It's, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> still well positioned. Like Ramanak Excavator, specifically the buy a box promo. 
Uh, it's in 30,000 EDH direct decks. It's the best printing of this card. It's the only other alt, only other version of the card other than basically the pack foil, and it looks way cooler. Um, so that's a good choice. I mean, they're 450, 450 for these foils. 30,000 EDH direct decks. Now, the inventory is deepish. There's 50 listings. So it's not like it's nothing. Um, and I don't think anyone has a huge wall. I see six and seven here and there. Somebody's got 20, but he's down at 15 bucks, which is fine. Uh, I don't know. I think this is a solid long-term choice. Maybe I said that two years ago. And two years ago, I thought it was a good long-term choice. Uh, <laughs> I would have been right then too. A, yeah, right? Like I still think it's a good long-term choice. All the numbers line up here. Um you're, I would say you buying this card at this price is making a good decision, and I can't guarantee that all good decisions will work out well, but I think it's making the right decision with the right information. Uh, it was in Commander Legends, so you have non-foil copies showing up recently, but like you said, this is different art. It's the uh, buy a box version. It's got uh, a good um, watermark on the text box, and you don't, even though it was in Commander Legends, you don't have a borderless or extended art or anything like that competing. So you've got your basics, basic versions, and then you've got this one, a much sweeter version. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. This should do well because even if they reprint it, you've still got this foil version that has different art and it has that um, provenance of being from 2017. So I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I I mean, like the Commander Legends. Well, the, the oh, they don't even have. They weren't foil though. It was the only other foil is the Amoncat. Another ten bucks. Is there? What was There's from? the pre-release promos were also about ten bucks. So the buy box is already half price from the pack foil and the pre-release foil. So I was going to say that the Commander Legends foils would add a little bit of a drag, but there aren't any. Yeah, I'm not sure how it was in Commander Legends. Like, was it in one of the? commander legends commander decks yeah it's number 433 so it must have been okay that's that's what it is so you've got more non-foil copies due to uh pre-constructed decks isn't it cool how there's 230 cards in that set yet somehow you have cards printed with collectors number 450 on them listen man they they released the uh the math on project booster fun today uh, and for uh forgotten realms so now I'm going to have to like sit down and do homework for the next two days. Mm. So, you know, did they change it from modern horizons too? they change it every time, Travis, every time I have not yet had the same and they changed the numbers. I'm going to, I'm going to rant about this more next week. I promise. Okay. I, I mean, I hate it too. I just so obnoxious. And just somehow I got turned into the, the person who has to figure all this out in an easy to understand form take that um all right what is your last pick of the week my last pick of the week is the retro foil that's old border foil of sword and hearth and home um it's out of modern horizons 2 you can get it for about 35 dollars right now on tcg you the borderless foils are more expensive but like the card is phenomenal um it's one more mana than um, Sword of the Animist, which has uh, its own really uh, popular... Let's see. Because the, the big deal is you get to go find yourself a um, a land and put it into play. Sword of the Animist is in 34,000 EDH... 33,500 30, uh, 33, EDH decks. 
So this is super, super popular because you just want to get more land in Commander. We want all of our land. And Sword of Hearth and Home, uh, green and white protection, medium on the colors. You're, you're safe from the, the path to exiles and stuff. But you get the flicker and you get the free land whenever you hit somebody. And this is just a ridiculously good card. I think uh, this is the version I want to be stocking up on in the, the old border foil. And uh, I think that within a year and a half, it'll have gotten to 60 or maybe even $70. Um, so we're... Okay. We're talking about the retro frame or the extended art? I missed that. Uh, the old border foil, the retro bo- retro foil. The retro ones. Okay. I mean, that would be the one I would want personally. Um, yeah, but so- we're, we're magic boomers, so... I, I I can live with retro frame. I can live with the term retro frame. I like, I like old it. border, but I, I I see where it's coming from. Old old border has always felt a little clunky to me, and just being able to call them retro is fine. You get to call them it's OB, fine. OB, OB. I say I work in the medical field, so OB for me is obstetrics. So these are the the female doctor version. <laughs> That's what I would think of. Fine. Um, I so I really like Sword of Hearth and Home. I think the card is great, and I agree with basically all of your points. The reason so you initially were going to talk about this first, but I um, we moved it to have you talk about it last because it kind of ties into the other card we're going to talk about here. I am I have I've undecided about how I feel about Modern Horizons two cards at the moment. Uh, I have been watching Scalding Tarn retro foils like a hawk. And they have slowly slid down. I bought three at 135 because they had slipped down to like 120 and then they bounced back up. So I was like, okay, maybe we found the floor. I bought a couple at 135 and then they proceeded to resume going down. Um, And so retro foil tarns are now 110. So they have continued the slip over the last uh, week or so. Uh, even though they, there was a slight bounce in there and the number of vendors has gone up as well. So I'm using this as my uh, yardstick, my thermometer for Modern Horizons 2 cards. Um, I'm not sure we have found the market quite yet across the board. I think that we're probably relatively close. So realistically, if you're buying these foil foil sort of hearth and home retros at 35, like that's 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 fine. Right? Ultimately, that's fine because they're not going to be $15. Like the worst case scenario, I'm guessing would be 25. And you obviously you'd rather pay that for them than not, but like buying them at 35 knowing they might slip to 25 before they go back up is buying when the alternative is buying and not buying them at 35 and it turns out this is the floor and now they're 50 so i don't mind doing that um or maybe you buy one copy one or two copies now you keep an eye on the price and then if it goes down you wait it out if it goes up you can kind of buy up the chain a little bit or buy down the chain uh so overall i think sort of hearth and home is a really good play i am just unconvinced in any direction about Modern Horizons 2 cards. I actually had a couple that I was considering talking about this week, but I decided to wait 
because I'm like, I, I don't know if we're quite there yet. I think we, if we're not there, we're within, uh, you know, spitting distance of being at the floor. Um, we have, this is a ridiculously valuable set, you know, headlined by uh, Raghavan, like we were talking about, an $80 monkey. Uh, we've got, uh, if you're opening collector boosters, you're hitting these $100 foil, old border foil uh, fetch lands. You've got uh, some really ridiculously valuable things that make $400 for a collector booster box a reasonable play. You've got a good chance of making your retail value back on that. And it feels great to open these packs and get like, oh, there's a $70 foil. Oh, here's a $110 foil. And you've got all these extra value coming in along with that. Um, but given that we are a week and change away from the actual release of, um, of the D&D set of Forgotten Realms, um, I think that I'm ready to start picking up these cards. I've let uh, some of them go down in price. We're down from our highs. Uh, like you said, Scalding Tarn has fallen uh, notably, and you can go get regular copies of Scalding Tarn for 40 something dollars. Let's see, what's it at right now? Uh, right now, you can get uh, $41, $42 for Scalding Tarns. I am okay moving in at that. I don't think it's going to... I'm not going to flinch if it goes down to 35 I might just go harder. You, so I'm, I'm okay with a few more percent being the, the potential floor. And I don't... I can't see us falling that much farther. It's not like... If they announced tomorrow that there was going to be a Modern Horizons 2 GP in Vegas, then I might flinch. Because that's going to be, you know, a couple thousand Magic players all opening six packs each plus all the side events. That's a lot of cards going into the market. But with where we're at right now and stores being kind of open, I don't think that we have a lot to worry about in terms of buying Modern Horizons 2 cards. Well, I think you're... I think a lot of those points are good. I think you're... I mean, the D&D being around the corner definitely matters. Um, and I agree that we're also probably pretty close to the low on these. And ultimately, my concern is just you might be able to save a couple percentage points if you hold off and time it correctly, which may be a foolish attempt anyways. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little less concerned on the MH1 reprints because those are collector boosters only. Right. The, new cards or all the packs which is all which is kind of weird because like even if you're looking at a modern border card or retro frame foil you have to like okay wait is this a reprint or a new one because those are different um little things like that same with the extended arts little things like that matter um but so o overall i think the card is good and i think you're you, you, you know we we are not more than 20 percent off probably from the floor so i i don't i don't hate it i will say that we had you know, and this kind of bleeds into the user pick as we had a couple good ones and we debated on it for a little bit. Ultimately, I picked the one that I that we picked the one that we did because the other two were Modern Horizons two cards, and I still kind of felt the same way that like they're not bad, they're good picks, but the timing might not be quite right. Whereas this other one I thought was a, a little more on the nose. Um, well, so, we should say what our pick is because we haven't said what our pick is. No, I'm I'm not gonna mention it. Okay. Um, I, in fact, I'm not going to reveal. 
the best pick of the Ooh, week. I, I decided we're, I decided we're going to go a different route this week. Oh, yeah? I'm just going to quietly send the best pick of the week, <laughs> the $25 gift card. I picked the worst pick of the week, and we're just going to ridicule them on air and really blow them up. I think that's a good uh, good change of pace. What do you think? I think that any chance we get to talk shit about James, we should take. Well, I, it's not about James. It's about the user. I just picked the worst user pick. I'm going to tell that guy his pick sucks. It's a James pick. <laughs> it's, isn't it? I don't know. I'm just always up for talking about James. <laughs> he, you know, he said he was going to send us something for the week, and he didn't. Oh, really? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, he's you know in Hawaii or something. Good for him. Uh, he's in northern Canada. He posted a picture earlier of swimming with pieces of ice. Are you kidding me? No. I'm oh, not. my God. He does live in Canada. It's, well, you basically live in Canada, so like, I'm very close. Uh, no, the the as much fun as it would be to rag on our Discord members, uh, that wouldn't be a fan, and people would not enjoy that that much. Uh, our actual winner of the week is Jules uh, with Engineered Explosives Ultimate Masters box toppers. The foil box toppers from Ultimate Masters are currently $28, which is a lot less than I would have guessed uh, when I saw this written down. Um, Because remember, those were relatively low supply and low distribution because it was a box topper. You got one per box of Ultimate Masters. So uh, these are, like I said, $28, right now. I think the non-foil printings are oh no they're all foil that's right no there's non-foil there are non-foil versions of the box toppers why do i see jules sent in the the foils at 28 yeah i there are not there are no non-foils of this card there well maybe they just don't have any available at the moment but like they're there were wait no box is, toppers were only foils oh this was ultimate masters box toppers I, wait, yeah what am i thinking of the vips is um it's double masters okay i'm sorry mm. i'm i'm messing that up when i'm thinking of it in my head uh, <laughs> so yeah there's only it, only foils of this particular box topper available it, it caught us both out but regardless i think 28 dollars for these near mint foils um, is a pretty good is a pretty good position. We did talk about engineer explosives earlier in part two, if you remember. Um, the uh, where'd it go? The DXM versions, the non foil, just most recent version of engineer explosives went from five to ten. Um, and we kind of talked about it a little bit up here. So this was just a solid pick, I think, because the card is gaining popularity again. Uh, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. It is a good version of the card. I would argue it's probably the second best version. This version is good. There's also the invention at 65. Uh, well, market price shows 65. The cheapest you'll pay for a near mint copy is 75. Um, that's reasonable as well, given the way we've seen in- inventions move. Um, you could buy these at 75 and maybe sell them at 150 in a month. I don't know. Uh, but regardless, I think 28 bucks for the box hoppers is reasonably well positioned. I agree. Uh, it's a it's the right mix of uh, version and copies available, and it's about to be super popular again because this will be three mana, destroy you know two or three of their awesome one drops, and you're going to feel really good about that. Yeah. If this was like 
$45, I would probably just say go buy the invention. I would agree with you on that. But, but 28 is so low. That's low. Okay. So segment four, uh, there's this new set about Dungeons and Dragons, is Adventures there? in the Holy Forgotten biscuits. Realms, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Uh, you make sure you F5 your page here because they've been spoiling stuff while we were recording. You're kidding. There's now a dragon turtle. Holy crap, there sure is. Dragon turtle. Inter- tap it and tap up to one target creature. Oh, it's got flash. That's cute. That's cute. So you tap the thing and you tap the other thing and then nothing untaps and then you've got the 3-5. But it's only three mana. That's a pretty good deal. It's not bad. Three mana, three five that takes something else. It and something else are out of contention for two turns. It's not bad. I think the the one that we have to talk about is is wish. Like, look at this card. Yeah, like, that three is three mana, three mana sorcery. You can cast a card you own from outside the game this turn. That is a big deal. It is. Comparable, yeah. I mean, you think about the old wish cycles. You had like Living Wish and things of that nature, which went and got the card and put it in your hand. Um, Living Wish was two, and it was only specific card types. There's also Glittering Wish for two, was a multicolor card. Um, Effectively the same thing, but all of them were conditional and a touch cheaper for the most part. So you're paying one more mana and you get to cast anything. Like, um, you know... Uh, Fae of Wishes gets you four mana to go get uh, a non-creature from outside the game. So this is cheaper than that, but less flexible because, you know, that's also a creature and you can figure out how to replay it if you had the extra lands to chuck. But, like, this is uh, a real deal of a card. Like, I'm surprised to see this, to be honest. I... I you know the wishes haven't been relevant really for a while. Gl- uh, Glittering wish was good for a hot minute back when Just Guy Ascendancy was printed because it got your kill condition um, effectively or another Just Guy Ascendancy. But it's really only going to be useful in like storm style decks for the most part because you have to cast it this turn, so it's attacking three mana onto whatever it is you're casting. So I could see some decks play like one or two of these with a one of like of your um, your storm card or whatever that's in the sideboard, uh, which also protects it from like this card and stuff like that. Or like a play set of wishes and like one of the card you need to fetch right. plus one in the sideboard. But so I think it's OK. I just I, I am. I don't expect it to break any formats or anything. That's true. The other, the, there's been ample chance for wishes to break formats, and they kind of haven't. Like, if wishes can't break legacy, what format are they going to break? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a nifty card, but and also probably not really going to do a lot in EDH, right? Like these are. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not I don't sure what they, the rule they, is for wish cards in in EDH. Aren't you supposed to like technically have a twenty card sideboard for EDH? something like that oh, that sounds see. familiar that also is a uh, firework if you uh heard it on my mic uh at a larger point what do you think about these flavor text keywords 
Uh, I'm for it, like, because what you're doing is you're doing the DM thing, like, uh, let's see, you meet a baleful beholder. Are you going to use the anti-magic cone, or are you going to use the fear ray? And, like, that's that's how you're they're approaching this. They're not... I kind of wish they weren't in italics, because that means um, we can... Like, because I, I want to think of them as ability words or keywords or something like that. Because we're not going to go back and say every, um, what was the one where, like, when it comes into play, uh, you do a thing. Like, there's a lot of comes into play ones. I like that uh, pack tactics is reused, um, where you're getting that uh, bonus whenever you attack with six or more power. But... We have so many of these fun things like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to cure wounds, or I'm going to dispel magic, or I'm going to gently repose. Uh, that's that's fun. <laughs> this is a, a fun thing to do, and it really feeds into the... Um, we haven't seen all of the lands yet, right? That have the D&D module look to them. We've only uh, I, seen a couple I'm going to go right? with no. Uh, we saw Evolving Wilds. And I think there's a couple more, but yeah, several have popped up, but I'm sure I would guess we've not seen them all. Yeah. Th- those are, those are also cool. This is very, um, if you're into this, you are going to be like, cre- there's a couple of uh, people in my assorted magic group chats that are just like, they have never been this horny for a magic set ever. And they're just like, everything about this is amazing. And I want to do all of this. And, um, they can't wait to have like, big versions of the three different dungeons that you can go through. Um, I'm iffy on, like, big mechanics outside of the game. Like, these dungeons uh, feel kind of like uh, doing contraptions back in uh, Unstable. But, let's see. Um, I, so the This is uh, 3D printer hour. For everyone out there who's got one, they get to 3D print their own dungeons. Yeah. There you go. Uh, si- yeah, so- side note on Wish, um, the abilities which refer to other cards owned outside the game, Wishes, Sponsire, Research, Ring of Maruf, etc., do not function in Commander unless every player is using the optional sideboard rule, which is a 10-card sideboard in addition to their 99 plus 1. 10, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I, so I guess I didn't specify this. They're using flavor keywords in this and what that means is the abilities a bunch of abilities are keyworded but they're not keyworded in the way that you think of like hexproof or first strike rather the keyword is in italics which means it's only there for flavor text so they didn't just add 70 mechanics to this set they just kind of put a a D&D term essentially onto what is the actual rules text for the card. So when you read them, you can read them without the italics mechanics. And that's what the card does. So the one on my screen right now is a card titled, you find the villain's lair. Um, You know, this is meant to invoke a DM telling the player something that happened and they choose one. They can either foil their scheme which is counter their spell or learn their secrets, which is draw two disc two, discard two. Uh, I, I first of all, I'm not a D and D player. Um, I'm you know aware of it obviously, but I never got into it. So I understand some of the references, but I admit that I am not the target 
audience for some of this. Uh, beyond that, I don't think that I like the flavor keywords primarily because, and Rosewater is a fan of this, show, don't tell. Right? Right. Like, and that these are telling. Like so often magic cards, the, the some of the best and coolest and most well-designed magic cards are something that exudes this unbelievable flavor with something that you recognize what it's supposed to be, but it does it through name, cost, and mechanic. Whereas these are like, hey, hey, look, look at this. <laughs> it's those words, those words that you know. Well, we wrote them on the, wrote them on the card. And it's... Now, I will say that if they're going to do this anywhere, this is the place to do it. It just feels kind of like you really have to do this with a light touch. I hope to God they do not make this common. And I don't think they will. I think this is just for the D&D set, which ultimately, if it is, I can live with that. But on a grander scheme, I'm not wild about this. So um, I, I, I just don't like that these are formatted as close as they are to actual ability words. I would have liked to see something else that delineates... Like, instead of this whole, like, um, you know, so I'm looking at Dawnbringer Cleric, right? So, two mana, one, three. When it comes to play, choose one. You gain two life, destroy target enchantment, or exile target card from a graveyard. Bread and butter stuff, right? But in this set, we're calling it Cure Wounds in a capitalized, italicized, keyword manner. Dispel Magic, Gentle Repose. Like, that's cool. I'm sure those are all D&D spells, and if you care about D&D, you're going to be like, that's really neat. I know those things. Just like you said, I'm, I'm for that. I just, I would have liked one that, uh, you know, or the, the one before you hear something on watch. You know, it's very like you're having a conversation with your dungeon master about that. And what do you do when you hear something on the watch? Do you rouse the party and give your creatures 1-1 one, one until end of turn? Or do you set off the traps and deal five damage to target attacking creature? I like that. I just think that in in the game, you're talking to yourself. Right? You're asking yourself a question and then you're answering it for your opponent. Because <laughs> like your opponent isn't like, you hear something on watch. What do you want to do? Because that's, that's not going to work at all. I, gu I guess if I'm being, if I'm trying to, you know, devil's advocate myself here. But if you took a card like Dawnbringer Cleric, you know the 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 DM command cards. You hear something on watch, are have a, the title alone is a lot of flavor. But you take something like Dawnbringer Cleric, which is an extremely generic card name as far as magic goes. In fact, is that a reprint? It sounds like it should be a reprint. Like, uh, it is not a reprint, but that sure as hell will be because that is an extremely magic card generic magic card name if you printed that without the flavor text mechanics you would have no idea that said anything to do with dnd that's very true like like these basically every card in here if you take the the flavor text mechanic off of it it's just a generic magic card and doesn't have any relation to the source material so i respect that they're doing it because that's sort of the way that they're tying it into a game which is you know, primarily, it's all text and dialogue, right? There aren't... That's how D&D exists. In manuals and the conversations you have, it's not cartoons or movies or what have you. 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so getting off my soapbox, uh, let's see, we've got Evan Death, Draco Lick here, the 4 mana 5-2 Flash Flyer, ETB tapped, but you can cast it from your graveyard if another creature died this turn. Yeah. Um, so it's Flash, under the battlefield tap is kind of funny, but it basically means that every time a creature dies, Evan Death can return. Seems decent, it's a mythic. Seems decent, but I can't imagine this being... Well, I mean, it could matter in standard, but that's probably the only place that it matters. You know, it, it's it's not like um, you can't play just Ebon Death. You know, you can't just recycle itself. So you need to have other creatures. Um, just four mana for a five fo- five power flying creature. That's pretty. It's uh, pretty gas. Especially yeah. you. You have to have the the exiling to get rid of it. You know, just it's gonna be hard to deal with and i i don't think it's going to be a huge player in standard though it, honestly these dragons like that have been spoiled so far um they're cool but neither of them is going to hold a candle to like you know your dragons can't just be for standard at least they can't just be big flying attacking blockers you know you need the extra value you need your gold span dragon or your galazeth or your paying you're, you're getting some of your mana back you're getting some other awesome thing going on yeah i feel like the power level as a whole here and i'm i reserve the right to revise my opinion as we go but I, so far i've been struck with it being not particularly high well we like this does not seem this seems much more about connecting the dots to D than it is about really pushing anything in, in magic itself well you got to be careful like printing ridiculous dragons that are too good because then like you have these hard to deal with under costed flying threats what are you gonna do about this dragon with you know hex proof or whatever the case may be you're you've got these four man uh multiple cards at four mana that are four and five power like you can follow up icing death the four three flying vigilance that'll give you a um uh of frost uh, a handy equipment you know that's just gravy if it dies and you can follow it up the turn after that and play the uh adult gold dragon for flying lifelink haste wizard print wizard banned something like 29 cards last year i think they know what they're going to do if any of the dragons are too good yeah there's that too yeah this is the other card you're referencing here icing death so i've been i've been i've been like i've been death i've been death i've been death god uh who write these wrote these things well there's gonna be three more death names it looks like we have ebon death and icing death so we'll have fire death tree death and island moss death moss death drowning death i gotta tell you that people and most death these cards, like, I will tell you that as someone who's not into D&D, reading all of, like, these names and references to stuff that's very clearly in D&D, I am not impressed with the writing. Like, <laughs> this is not making me look at this and go, wow, D&D has, like, some really clever, like, interesting descriptions and writing, whatever. Icing Death, the Frost Tyrant. Like, okay, are we playing World of Warcraft here? Like, come on. Uh, four mana, four, three, or the white, white creature. Four mana, four, three, flying vigilance. So okay, I mean that's I, I honestly you play that in limited. 
I don't know if you play that in Constructed. Uh, when it dies, you get a, a legendary artifact equipment that gives the creature 2-0, and when it attacks, you tap a defending creature with equip 2. So the equipment's not bad, right? Equipment with plus 2-0, and when it attacks, tap a blocker with equip 2 is decent, but it means you played your dragon on 4, and then it died. And this is a mythic? Mm. Man, that equipment, mm. you would first pick an equipment that was, um, I would I would pick if it was like two mana and then two to equip to get plus two plus oh, and whenever it attacks, tap a defender. Like, I'm first picking that equipment <laughs> at two to play. Let me, let me put it this way. If we are reviewing these cards in terms of how good they are in limited, something has gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Not on our side. The also there's this card, Adult Gold Dragon. The name, the, the, <laughs> that's the name of the card, Adult Gold Dragon. Again, I know it's a D D reference, but for someone from outside that world, it's are you are you expecting is he, like is a, he dirty? A, I was going to say there's eight? a black box on the card somewhere, like I, something you can't see because it's adult. Someone is going to just, honestly, the best art alter for this card will be just taking a Sharpie and just drawing a black line, <laughs> like, in the crotch of the dragon. <laughs> so that as, like, a censored bar. Uh, that's a free art alter for all of you out there. I'm very clever. Um, I'm just scrolling backwards here. The Book of Vile Darkness, the triple black legendary artifact. Uh, at the beginning of your end step, if you lost two or more life, you create a zombie token um okay and then you but you exile you tap and exile the book and two other artifacts that we have yet to see i believe which is the eye of vecna and the hand of vecna and you get vecna a legendary 88 zombie god who is indestructible and has all triggered abilities of the cards that you exiled so it'll be an 88 indestructible zombie god who has the uh create a zombie token if you lost life and whatever the triggered abilities from the other cards do. Uh, also probably not good. Like it's weird to see this at mythic stuff like this. I would usually expect to see it rare. Um, so this seems like a very high rarity for a, honestly a mid lane effect. Um, I think uh, the card financially that I'm, I'm staring at real hard. I mean, like we know Tiamat is going to be um, a very popular commander. Also very popular in Ur dragon decks. Like that's, that's just a given. Um, pe uh, people I know who like to play other people's decks in Commander are iffy on the Beholder one, the Xanathar, the Guild oh, the King Kingpin. Yeah, the blue-black one. Yeah. Uh, that player, you pick a player at your upkeep, that player can't cast spells, you get to look at their top card library, you can play the top card of their library, and you may spend mana or mana of any color to cast their spells. You can't do anything with their spells in hand. So whatever they have in their hand, you can't do anything with, but you can just like play off the top of their deck a whole bunch. So that seems middling for a mythic. But like the, did you guys talk about hideous laughter last week? The one where you mill for twenty uh, mana costs. I don't think we talked about anything last week. Okay, so like for three mana, you get to mill twenty mana worth of cards. Oh, we did. No, I take that back. We did talk about this a okay. little bit because that sounds familiar. That that sounds busted ass in modern right now. Mill is already like really close to being good. And this just might be like three mana, you know, 
like uh your Luris is a super popular companion because nothing no permanence over two cool let's mill you for you know 14 cards off of tasha's hideous laughter yeah yeah i, I that that card is potent for sure and that card won't be worth money but some of the other mill cards in modern might see a pop i mean ultimately you know these mill cards are just sort of improving the rate a touch at a time but you do wonder if there's a point at which it becomes enough right if the average card in your deck now mills like 9.3 cards is that is that high enough 7.2 wasn't good enough but maybe 9.3 is <laughs> well i think we'll find out the, the the card that jumped out at me most here so far is circle of dreams druid uh, another very clunky name like I, circle of dreams druid like i feel like that wants to be druid of the circle of dreams or something like that um even if the name is awkward uh the card is potent it's triple green for a 2-1 elf druid tap for e- add a green for each creature you control so this is guy's cradle. Uh, guy's cradle on a body and the art is by rebecca gway's i believe child shot way uh, gonna... we talked about this in the discord i don't think it's actually a it's like a mentor right sam is a um, so it's hold on i mean i it, it it's her art style and her last name but i totally believe that our he uh, one of our discord members in the uh was oh, like, sam gray not sam gway okay i misread that that is on me yeah um although that uh Rebecca was mentor was the mentor for this artist. Okay. I was looking at the... I hadn't opened it up. I was just looking at the text in the bottom left corner, and I thought it said gray, but it says gray. So, And the art style is similar, so I kind of yeah. put two and two together, but I, I missed the mark. But in any case, the art is Rebecca Gway-esque, which helps. It's very solid art. So you have Gaia's Cradle on a stick uh, with very good art. And conceivably... In certain scenarios, better than Gaia's Cradle. On the whole, not a better card, but it is easier to untap creatures a lot of times than it is to untap lands, uh, which means you can probably go infinite. I mean, this with... Uh, there's... A, I, I can't, now I can't think of the enchantment. There's... Diplomatic... No, not diplomatic immunity. God damn it. Uh, Regardless, there will be infinite mana combos that are pretty easy to set up with this card. Right. And even when you're not doing that, it's going to be very popular. Every single elf deck in EDH will want this. Um, and most other green decks, who, if you play Gaius Cradle, you will have to consider this. So I think that's going to be probably my pick at the moment for the most relevant card that we've seen. I would agree. And keep in mind, that's a rare. That's not a mythic. Yeah. So yeah. like you, you will have your chance to buy... A quantity of these i don't know how cheap it's gonna get you know trip green it might make some decks flinch but uh honestly it's just another um uh elvish uh archdruid 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 i'm glad i thought of that before you told me but um you know giving a fixed version of a busted reserve list card is a time-honored tradition from wizards so I mean, Elvish Archdruid right now is a dollar fifty, and there are ten printings. Yeah, that of this was going to say there has been a a buttload and a half of of printings of that. So this yeah, is still this is both better and worse. 
I mean, it doesn't give a bonus to your other elves. It is harder to cast at Trip Green. Although, if you're in an elf deck, you're probably not stressing that very much. Yeah. But still, man, I, you know, Gaia's Cradle is, is Gaia's Cradle for a reason. Like, it's clearly worse in Elvish Archdruid in elf decks, but a worse Elvish Archdruid is probably still very good in those decks. And it's a very good card in every non-elf deck. Yeah, you put so, this in Chatterfang, so... R- really, I don't see any version of this not being appealing like i will happily buy i would i would definitely go after fat stacks of this um you know either overseas or at lowe's try and grab 20 30 40 copies at a time looking to out on buy list two years later a year later i would also get these extended art foils to with the plan of seeing a good increase on those so that's you got a couple different ways to go with that um there were two other cards that jumped out at me here. Uh, one of them was Flame Skull. Did you take a look at this? Yeah, the one where you can either replay it or the other. So when it dies, let's read it for uh, our audience who might not have had a chance. 3-1 uh, flying for one red red. It's a skeleton of all things. Uh, it's flying. It cannot block. And when it dies, exile it. If you do, exile the top card of your library. Until the end of your next turn, you may play one of those cards. So you can either recast Flame Skull when it dies, or you may play the other card that you exiled with it. Mm-hmm. it this is a nifty card. I think that it um, a 3-mana three 3-1 flyer is obviously not phenomenal, but the fact that it's going to come back every turn or something better is going to replace it, is is very powerful now is it reliable enough i don't know and i mean realistically we're only talking about standard so at the end of the day does this matter maybe not but it does strike me as uh i think the most competitive most potentially competitive standard card that i've seen out of the mythics so far I mean, we're getting... This is another set with a higher number of Mythics, right? Um, is it really? Yeah, nine Mythics spoiled so far with at least two more dragons to go... With three more dragons to go. So I, I think we're going to be at, at 20 Mythics again. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you have more Mythics, you, they're not all going to be All-Stars. Like, uh, Eliwick seems okay as a Planeswalker, as does Lolth. Um, they're they're all right for planeswalkers, but neither one's like super overpowered. This crazy ass ten ten Tarask, the legendary dinosaur, when it comes into play, if you cast it, it gains haste and ward ten. It doesn't have trample, but when it attacks, it fights a defending creature. Like so, it's huge. It doesn't trample. It protects itself on the first turn when it has haste. Like. How many green mythics have we seen that do that and are not terribly relevant financially? Yeah, I I, I would agree with you that, I mean, for the most part, this is probably not going to be any good in competitive play. Uh, again, if this is like a 40 or 50 cent card, Tarask ter- I'm talking about here, I could see scooping these up because some of these big stupid green creatures end up pretty popular and like casual down the road. I would only probably buy the cheapest version possible, right. like just normal pack copies because of the, the people I'm selling this to. But there is a potential there. I will say that my friends who are into D&D saw this card and absolutely hated it because they said that Tarask should be 
not this. Like it should have indestructible. It should have trample. Like you're not. It should, the Tarasks within D and D, I guess, are immune to like physical attacks and magic attacks and never die. They just keep reanimating. Like you cannot kill them. So I'm kind of glad uh, wizards didn't print a card that you can never kill and never do anything with. I'll, I'll be honest. Well, with that. you know it's funny you say that because but then somebody posted Darksteel Colossus and they're like you literally could have just changed the name of this card and it would be a very good Tarask and I was like oh huh okay okay right. <laughs> that's a fair point yeah <laughs> that card kind of already does exist <laughs> that's true uh, um I what do you think of um our different frames the uh the sketch frames and the um the dungeon module frames like how do you think these rank in terms of like are these going to be better or worse in terms of desire well we have so we have two different arts right we have or two different showcases we have the old rule book showcase on the creatures and the yeah the dungeon module car, um, book cover artwork uh on the lands, I think that the the creature version, like the the monster manual version, probably not going to be all that popular. It'll definitely hit with the right subset of players, right? Like your D and D aficionados. But ultimately, like they just again, speaking to someone with no real connection to D and D, they're not appealing. I, agree. I get what they're doing, but it just doesn't do anything for me. Like it's very, um, it's very plain, and yeah. Um, I, I get that, you know, not every frame is going to be for everyone, but at the same time, like, given some of the ornate and uh, beautiful things we've had before, this is awfully simplistic. I I like, let me, let me clarify, I like what they did. I think it's a cool idea, and I agree completely that different frames can target different people. As far as our purposes go in determining whether it will be financially relevant, I think that the audience is not wide enough for this to do it any favors. Yeah. And I'm mostly in the same place on the lands. I think the lands are better. They're very novel and they're amusing to look at. They're kind of cool. Um, they're probably going to be fair, rather a little divisive. I don't think they're going to be extremely popular, but I think they're easier to like those than they are to like the monster manual ones. Well, um, I haven't done the. I imagine we can get these in foil, and this will easily be the most expensive version of Evolving Wilds. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Does Evolving Wilds not have any good copies? I think there's like an so, F and M copy for a little bit more. Some of these cards, like I remember one of these lands, like actually had no good in copies, which is kind of funny. Uh. Yeah, there are basically no really good evolving wilds. Yeah, like they're all just yeah. There's a secret layer at like six, and then the F and M version at like three. Yeah, and I mean the art on some of them is pretty cool, but the problem is they're just the same basic frame over and over again. So this is the first alternate frame, yeah, which will help quite a bit. Um, so I, we didn't really talk about it yet, but we should the dungeon ability. So. Al, uh, there's a bunch of cards here um, and Eliwick, the Planeswalker 2, that when you do something, you venture into the dungeon. And this is that. I'm not going to explain the whole mechanic here, but what what is your take on the dungeon mechanic? It's really um, like looking at the three dungeons and there's only going to be these three. 
there's not a lot of like hardcore value in it in like in terms of gameplay there's a lot of incremental value uh you've got to go through one of them which is a the tomb of annihilation you got to lose one life and then lose two life or discard a card and then lose two life or sacrifice an artifact creature or a land and then you get a four four uh with death touch like that's after going through four different activations of venture into the dungeon um that's you can go a little faster after three activations but in the second activation you have to discard a card and sack an artifact a creature and a land uh losing the land seems very um expensive for getting just a four four creature token with death touch i yeah so um, it's funny because i showed my friend this card and it was tomb of annihilation specifically and he was like i don't get this like this seems bad and i'm like yeah but tomb of annihilation is very obviously a more specific dungeon like that's got some niche text on it my my initial impression is that dungeon of the mad mage will be the the roughly more common one um it's gaining life it's got some scry triggers it's like it's all useful all the way down and by the time you hit the lowest level it's draw three cards and then cast one for free like that's obviously very potent it takes you longer to get there than in the other dungeons but that's a really big payoff it's um so you have like eliwick the planeswalker is just plus one venture into the dungeon so plus one gain one life is obviously miserable Right. Plus one, plus one, scry one, also not good. Plus one, create a treasure token, eh, still not good enough. Plus one, scry two, okay, we're getting somewhere. Plus one, draw three, cast one for free, obviously very, very good. Uh, and so then we have like this paladin over here is a three mana three, three, that whenever he attacks or enter the battlefield, you venture. So he's kind of like a mini titan. Um, I, my read on this is that first of all, dungeon as a mechanic is not complicated in that it's terribly difficult to understand, but there it's one of those abilities, those mechanics is there's no way that you have any idea how good this is until you play with it. Like it's one of those very complex, um, difficult to grasp mechanics, which historically are better than people think because they just play better than you would think they do at the outset. And one of the best descriptions of this that I saw, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who gets credit for this. I read it on Twitter was you have to compare this to like um, energy and uh, the lesson learned from shadow more or uh, not shadow more uh, Strixhaven. So in with energy cards, they were basically all fairly costed cards that then came with energy on top of that. So the energy was sort of free. And even if the energy wasn't a huge deal, because you got to play a bunch of cards that were reasonable on their face and then gave you this extra value, eventually you got a, a lot of extra value from playing these energy cards. The lesson learned stuff, the lesson learned component was kind of baked into the mana cost. So the cards were bad. They were too expensive unless you had the lesson learned thing going on, which meant you weren't really getting extra value out of the card, right? Like you kind of had already paid for it. Essentially the energy was free. The lesson learned was not. So the question is, is venturing into the dungeon free or isn't it? And I will tell you, looking at Nadar, that doesn't seem terrible. Like a three mana three, three vigilance, like isn't good. Um, but 
That's like you, you'd play you that. You can't print that card for two. Yeah, you're like, well, yeah, I don't care about limited, right? Like that doesn't okay. matter. I, I want standard, standard at least. But like, I don't, can you print a two mana three three vigilance? I don't, I don't think so. So like three seems a little expensive for that. But like that card's not bad if with the venture trigger. And again, people are going to look at something like Dungeon of the Mad Mage and think about this in terms of. Um, wow, how many times do I have to attack with this Paladin to get to the bottom? Uh, I don't know, but if you have several cards in your deck that venture, you will get through that dungeon a lot faster, right? Uh, which is also relevant. So I, I, I thought that was a good way to think about it, and I think that dungeon may surprise us, but obviously I don't know. So we know about the mana value that Wizards put on um, venturing into the dungeon, it's around three to four mana, depending on what's up. Um, like the 50 feet of rope is the artifact. It says four tap, venture into the dungeon, do this as a sorcery. So um, you, for four mana and tapping another card that you put into your deck, like, is this worth it? And in standard, I don't think it is. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't see any of these as being good enough for standard, especially because these are saying do it as a sorcery. Like, you have a hawk that's a 1-1 one, one flyer, says 3 tap, and then tap another creature to venture into the dungeon. It only as a sorcery. That's terrible. Well, I will... Yeah, so, I mean, they told us that it's 4 mana to venture as a sorcery, or to venture. I don't think that that's right. Like, they wrote that on the card. I don't think you're supposed to pay 4 for it. I don't think it's worth anywhere near that much. Right. That's what um, I'm saying, is that it's... That's that's about where they're going to be costing these things. I wouldn't be shocked to see like sacrifice a creature, venture into the dungeon, like th- well, like they could put they could put fifty feet of rope in and say okay, it's you know this card lets you venture for four mana. Venturing is not worth four mana, but we are bit printing the card anyways, right? It's essentially just an overcosted option if you want it. But with the bird up there at three mana and having to tap another creature, I yeah, I mean they do seem to be setting that up and there's no way venturing is worth four if that's roughly how much they think but of course like then you scroll down to that the sultan the dar the paladin like that they're not making now it you're right um venture be worth four mod on that card well nadar is a rare um the rope the rope is an uncommon the bird is a common so i can i can see that you know it's harder to do at common than it is at uncommon and then rare and then you know mythic you've got the planeswalker to plus one adventure but i just yeah. like you're you're not doing very much to the board like you're getting a one one here you're getting a treasure there like you're it's a lot of incremental value that i i just i don't think um you know given what we have so far uh i don't see a lot of like we're not going to be seeing um dungeon pop-ups on our twitch streams yeah, well, so I mean, what are plus ones on Planeswalkers? They're usually like 1.5 mana, right? Like one, the 1. 1.5. I don't think they're usually worth two mana. Um, so Eliwix plus one, you know, if those are typically worth a little over a mana, that gives us a, like maybe a more reasonable interpretation of the value of it. We'll see. I mean, really, I guess the point here is you only need, you probably only need two cards in your deck that are reasonable venture cards. Like, even if eight out of ten cards in the set is overcosted for it, if you can play a, a white weenie deck and two of them are reasonable, okay, now the venturing is just free. 
like you're just going to get some free dungeon triggers on cards that, that you already would have played, which is which is good. And it's hard. No one can interact with it. If you gave um, me a two drop that was like a two two when it attacks, venture into the dungeon. I'm I'm listening. They they gave that to you. It's a three mana, the three three that does it. <laughs> right, but that's a three mana. I don't want to pay three. Well. I want to be doing this sooner. I want like if you attack with a one drop, when you attack with two or more creatures, venture into the dungeon. Cool. Make it a little easier to trigger than just this one three three who when he comes into play i might get um a treasure token well that'd be good i'd play a lot of three three get a free treasure token um yeah well i i you know it, so far they haven't actually spoiled that much of the set so we'll see we will see how that plays out we'll check in next week uh, i'm gonna wait for the street sweeper to go by one second you have street sweeping at like it is nearly midnight there brother Dude, they street sweep over here like twice a night. It's really weird. That is unexpected. Okay, so the uh, two other cards I want to touch on real quick before we wrap up for the night. The first is Sphere of Annihilation. Like it? Yeah, this is actually like it's a, a fascinating card. This is X Black enters the battlefield with X counters on it. The beginning of your upkeep exile Sphere. All creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than or equal to the number of counters on it. And all creature and planeswalker cards in graveyards. So if you cast this uh, for X is three, so you pay four mana, you put three counters on it. If it makes it to your next upkeep, you exile all creatures and planeswalkers from play and graveyard with three or, three or less. Now it's a little slow, uh, but that is a pretty potent effect. And I could see this showing up in a variety of places. I don't think it's like a major player in any format, but it seems like it will have uses in most formats. Like Standard, Modern, Legacy, and EDH all seem like they will occasionally want this card. Now, notable that um, you can put this into whatever Lurus the Dream deck you want in Modern, but since it exiles itself, you won't get to replay it. Uh, the sphere or oh the sphere okay the sphere does exile itself but it's it's it is really good for not just I'm gonna deal with these problem one drops next turn but it stops your opponent from playing another one drop or whatever X or less is into this so if you can delay what they're going to do by playing this a lot of control decks will view that as a win as well yeah being able to play this on two. If you play this for X is two, and then you pass, your opponent's like, okay, well, I shouldn't play this two drop because it's just going to get exiled in a moment, and I'm about to lose my whole board. So you kind of get like a a turn and a half out of it, sort of, if they can't remove it. So I think that, I think that card's interesting. I probably I wouldn't be interested in like the basic copies, but I think the extended art foils could be interesting just because it seems like they'll have some good cross format appeal. Uh, the one other card I want to touch on quick, just because it's funny, Minion of the Mighty. Did you catch this? Oh, the uh, Kobold? Yes. That's uh, So it's a one mana, zero one Kobold with Menace, and it's got the Pack Tactics trigger. Whenever you attack with this, uh, if you attack with power creatures with total power six or greater this combat, you can put a Dragon Creature card from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. It's cool, but like... It requires so much help to be good. Okay. Did you know this is a turn to kill in standard? <laughs> oh, for the love. You, All right. you play Minion of the Mighty on one, 
And then on turn two, you double infuriate it to give it six power and then attack putting Terror of Mount Velis in play, which gives both creatures double strike for 22 damage. You know what? So sure. there's technically a turn two kill in standard. Why not? <laughs> I, I... Now, <laughs> I don't think that's good enough, right? Like That seems unlikely, but it is interesting that it's there. Um, also, probably not good enough in modern either. I mean, you have become immense in modern, which is a lot, um, you know, probably the, the best way to pull that off. But because you give six six but you'd have to have five cards to delve and even if you crack two land yeah that seems like it's going to be really hard to get to yeah i Um, I have have a hard time seeing this as a card that's going to be good considering the um the hoops you have to jump through for it because your your payoff is whatever dragon card you manage to have in your hand yeah, I agree that it is hard to do, but it is worth keep. It is worth mentioning that as a turn two kill in standard in every format back and somewhere that may be good enough at some point. But okay, we've been at this for a while. We gave James run for his money this week on <laughs> labbing. Uh, so Clifford, Cliff Daigle, where can our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Word of Commander, as well as my weekly articles on mtgprice.com every Friday. And I am Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter at WizardBumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. I would like to remind all of our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service. For just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including... All the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please make sure to use the promo code FINANCE with the number 5 at the end to during checkout at Cool Stuff Inc. to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh my god, we are done. And uh, we're, we're on for next week too, right? James is taking two Tuesdays off? He, I have declared it now. He is. All right. We'll throw him off if he's here. All right. Uh, the coup is in force. <laughs> Thanks for coming by, Cliff. Uh, I will talk to you next week. And thank you, everybody else. Uh, And see you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm